Hi, this is David from Wedding Business Growth. Wedding Business Growth is committed to helping you succeed in the wedding and events industry and grow your business in a sustainable way. Thank you for tuning into Wedding Business Growth Podcast. And now stay tuned for part two of this episode. Well, the good news is we'll be able to watch the replay of this a hundred times, and most of us probably will. Yes, we all know me. Come, come find me in Clubhouse. We'll talk about it. Uh, but, th- but the, the thing about this is, uh, is it also gives us a lot of uh, the biggest reservation I hear uh, with wedding crows and scaling is like, I don't want to risk everything I've built. But when you know, when you know all of these um, different metrics or this, these KPIs in your business it allows you to have a better picture and you're going to feel more solid and, Oh, I just need to do X, Y, and Z. Well, now it seems a lot more tactical and doable and it allows you to make better decisions. So yeah, absolutely. I think that's just, and again, you know, David, we talked right at the top of like a lot of people just want to focus on their craft. They just want to take pictures, plan the weddings, do the things right. Um, But there is, there does become a certain level of responsibility as business owners. When you're stepping into building a team, you're not just affecting your life. You're oftentimes affecting others and other people's income. So we want to kind of shift into this a bit more. um, I don't want to say mature perspective, but a little bit more um, uh, intentional, intentional perspective, I guess. Yeah. Well, and I've always felt like there there is like this inherent responsibility for all of us for the industry as a whole. Like there's these mm-hmm. ripple effects that sometimes people don't think about when they don't choose to actually treat this like a business because there are so many people out there that are treating it, uh, not just treating it, it is a business. For, yeah, for a lot of us, it's our livelihood. Like yeah. this is how we take care of our families. And so if there are people out there that, that aren't at least half-assed trying to do that, then the ripple effect of what that causes, mm-hmm. uh, you know, regardless of whether people say, well, all I care about is me and my family anyways. Well, I, I get that mentality, but at some point you still have to have a respect for the industry yeah. as well. Um, because uh, I've said this a million times. I mean, again, we still deal with a very ignorant client base. Like they did a lot of people coming to us are the first time they've ever yes. done this. They don't know any better. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we don't want to take advantage of those people. We want to be able to take good care of those people and, almost hopefully create like some of those legacy type relationships and things like that, you know, yeah. Um, knowing this stuff allows that opportunity to happen. Yeah. And one thing that I would just say to add to that, uh, just to some previous points, uh, I think our passions bring us into the industry, whether it's DJing, videography, photography, planning, but I think a passion and love for the business eventually needs to take over to help continue to sustain that for sure. I noticed that when I fell in love with the business, like my, it changed completely. When I fell in love with the process of the business and the numbers and all of this stuff, it, it my mindset completely changed. And I can totally attest to what, what Ashley is saying for sure. It's like, yeah. it's like a personal relationship. I yeah. mean, you know, when you, when you first meet somebody and you all fall in love and all right, this right. crap, like, like everything's great and hunky dory, but, yeah. but like the longer you're around each other, the more the walls start to come down yeah. and then you start to realize, oh, wow, maybe, maybe, right. maybe there are some things that, that, what I thought was really cool in the beginning, maybe I, I didn't really look yeah. at them through the right lens. Right. Now I have to find another reason to to either stay or go, so to speak. You know what I mean? And, well, and that could happen professionally yeah, as well. I think, I think too, the really cool thing is when you're doing this, you can, in entrepreneurship for me, like I want to build a life where I love every minute of it, like at right. all possible. Like exactly. I'm a, if I could sit and talk on these types of things, hang out on podcasts and clubhouse like all day, like, yes, where do I sign up for this? Mm-hmm. When you know your numbers, you know your ability to outsource the things you don't want to do. 
So having, you may be doing some of that work on the front end. That's like, Oh, this is not fun or sexy. I don't want to do this. It's going to allow you to understand and feel confident in your decision to outsource someone for social media or whatever that is. Those, Those moments you don't necessarily like doing this is kind of that same time where you can really be empowered in doing that and not risk the business. So I think also really important. That's a fantastic point. Mm-hmm. I think I think one of the um, this is kind of a sidebar here, but it's something on my mind. I wanted to get your opinion on real quick. I think I think one of the biggest apprehensions to growth and one of the biggest um, reasons why um, just real quickly. Hey, Ron, good to see you. Thank Thanks you for joining for us. On. One of the um, reasons why people are apprehensive to growth is because there you know, there's such a level of number one creativity number two, type A personality mm-hmm. within our industry and the proverbial, no one's going to do it like I do it kind of kind mm-hmm. of mindset. Definitely. And um, to be honest with you, again, if I, if I think back to when I first started be, bringing people on board, like that was one of the first things I had to really teach yeah. myself to get over really quickly. And I was like, I don't want people, I finally shifted my mind and said, I don't want people to do it like I do. I want people to do it the best that they can do. Mm-hmm. And then I want that to resonate with what we as a group are putting out as our business. Mm-hmm. But I mean, just along those along those lines, I mean, what, what are your thoughts on like addressing that situation where it's like, hey, I'm a creative. Nobody's going to do it like I do it. Well, if you're not willing to scale, then you're, you know, then you're in trouble kind of a deal. Yeah, well, I would venture to guess, David, that you probably have someone on your team that's better at the thing that you thought no one would be better at you then. Oh, yeah. uh, like I have planners on my team. Like I thought I was a good planner. And then I hired really good planners. And I was like, oh, right. oh, this is what it's like to be a really good planner. Oh, my um, and it, it, it is. It's a, it, it is a, a semi-humbling experience. Um, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's just that's just not not something I expected when I when I brought a team on. Um, but I will say definitely a hundred percent people, um, in my team are, are much better planners than me. And the cool part about that is then I can play to my strength. I can go. And that's kind of the next thing we're gonna talk about. I get to live in the lane that I love and that I'm really, really good at because when you're a solopreneur, you you are wearing all the hats, you're doing all the things. Um, and I'm going to venture to guess that half of them you don't love. There's some that you do, there's some that you don't. Um, but when you're able to get over that mindset shift, um, the other thing I talk about here that I think kind of helps, because the biggest concern is like, you know, if, if, you know, relinquishing control, what if someone screws up and like kills my brand's name? Mm-hmm. So I have, I have kind of our students ask three questions of themselves. One, do I love my business? Usually the answer is yes. Do I work hard for my business? Usually the answer is hell yes. Um, and three, do I have a great rapport with my clients? Yes. Well, you can probably outwork and outrelate and outserve anybody's mistakes. Um, that has always been the experience I have had um, in in especially when I was newer in business. And the other thing is like you don't have to hand over the keys to the kingdom overnight. Like they're not going to do all the things in your business. They're going to do the things that you give them control over. So some of that client relationship does need to be earned a bit. And that's our part again, is discerning leaders to know what, what should be handed over and what shouldn't. Um, Like, you know, a lot of people think, 
um, or I've heard some people say like, I just want to give over sales. And I'm like, you know, let's, let's, let's be intentional when we give over sales. Cause that's the profitability of your business. Mm -hmm. So before we just, you know, say, that's the thing I don't like to do. And I want to hand that over. Um, let's have them earn the ability to do sales for your business. Um, but a lot of the times with, you know, if it's someone um, DJing for an event that you have, if you're as the business owner having and building that rapport with that client all the way up until wedding day or before, or if there's some snafu with a timeline or a missed email or whatever, you're going to be able to outwork that mistake. Um, and so, like I say, if you're, if you're really a big yes and all those things that you love your business, work hard and have a great relationship with your clients, know, be confident enough in yourself and your own ability that you can outwork someone's mistakes. And honestly, they don't happen very much because when we onboard good people, mm -hmm. they're really trying to prove themselves. They want to have a future in our companies too. So um, like I say, I think it's just getting over that hurdle and that mindset block of, of having someone come on and have control. Um, but usually that, like I say, those three questions, people are kind of like, oh yeah, I, I am good at the work that I do and I have a good rapport with clients. So um, that gives them kind of solace to be able to take that jump. Wow. Actually, I, first, I just have to go back to a point that you mentioned about having a planner that was better than you. David was actually here for this. Uh, I, you know, I do videography and, and editing, obviously, you know, is a huge time sink for a lot of videographers. Um, so one thing that I, I, I told David, one of my biggest problems was, you know, editing. It takes me hours and hours and hours to edit. And the craziest thing happened was I hired someone to do some editing for me and he did it better than I did. And I, I told David immediately, I was like, dude, this kid literally just did a better job at this than I could have done. And it blew my mind. So now and how freeing for you, Nick, like how freeing is it to go like, oh, I don't have to do the thing I don't like. And I have someone in my back pocket that like can show up and kill it for my exactly. Client, so. And I can be working on other things, like you said, yeah. like sales, like marketing, all of those things. So yeah. no, fantastic point. And yeah. I also love your point that really, really, I want to make sure that nobody overlooks because I, I think it was very, very important to, to to make sure we make a point of that was when you said you don't have to give them control right away. Yeah. You can you can ease people into the process. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't you you want to grow with intention. You want to grow with the 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 long game in mind. I mean, we always use the phrase you want to play chess, not checkers. Don't mm -hmm. worry about that one time thing on taking a chance on somebody that could that could put you in a position where you have to outwork, out talk, out this, out that, those those individuals, like make it intentional. And if you have to train somebody for a while behind the scenes, if you know, like it just makes sense to me that you said that so so well. Like I said, just you give them the control that you want to give them in the time frame that they've earned mm -hmm. you to give that to them. I think that's so awesome. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Well, like I said, so, it building a team and, and team, it's it's like the leap you took to like be in business on your own. Like that was a big deal. Yeah. That's kind of the next big hurdle is like bringing on other people onto like our, our bus, <laughs> like going on the journey with you. Like, yeah. you know, it is, it's kind of the next big thing for our business. And I mean, I, my life has been absolutely turned upside down from team and in such a beautiful way. Like I'm salaried through the work at Simply Elegant. I work about five hours a week at that. My husband stays home with my daughter. It affords our lifestyle. And it, there's no way, there's no way that would have been possible if I didn't step into the idea of having other people a part of the journey with me. Mm. And I'm uh, the biggest fear I have is that some of these mindset blocks are, they take away the future potential for some wedding pros because they do, they feel that again, to your point, like 
I don't want um, someone to ruin my brand or, you know, how I don't want to be a boss. Right. Um, so those are two things that we talk a lot about at the abundance group and how to kind of work through those. And, and some of, sometimes it's a, it's a longer process for some people than others. And, and that's just part of the beauty again, of, of working through your own um, kind of shortcomings as a business owner. And I think I think one of the key things when you think about expanding and bringing on team members is, and I think you mentioned it, uh, is is remembering that you want to elevate their voice, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. You have a you have a overall business model that you want everybody to stick to in some way, shape, or form, but mm-hmm. you don't want them to be just another Frank. You don't want them to be another Ashley. You want mm-hmm. them to be whoever they are, but delivering yeah. the product in the way that you would like them to deliver it. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's it's empowering those staff members to do that earns their trust and then they deliver better for you. And it's not like, Oh, I'm not going to show up this weekend. I'm just kind of done and, and leave you out to dry. That's not their approach. They're in it just for, just for you and your business, just like you were saying. And I think that helps to make sure that you're not only bringing on good people, but then it also helps to know as you can release them, you Mm -hmm. see it, you know, it's like they're finding their voice within my framework Absolutely. Well, and Frank, I'll say too, that a lot of people think like, it's my business. I've heard like, it's my business. It's my baby. Like it's the thing I created, but like my managing director at Simply Elegant, she loves my business just as much as I do, if not more now in this season. And that is a really cool thing. Mm-hmm. She is so invested in building it in the growth and the team and leadership and all of this. It, it, she's just like, it's, it's, she lives and breathes it too. And she loves it. And what a humbling experience for me to have someone treat it with such respect. Um, and like I say, it, it's one of the, I, besides being a mom and a wife, the, the, the number one thing in my life is to watch my team thrive uh, personally, professionally, and that, like I say, it's just, there's nothing else that compares to it because it's something that you built that's allowing someone to have the life they love as an employee. Like yeah. I get emails from my team that, um, you know, a lot of people have to be business owners to be wedding planners and to be salaried in the wedding world. Like that's that's not a common thing. So they'll email me and they say, I just, I'm so thankful to have a job that I love to do. Um, and that nothing lights me up more than those emails from my team. And, and I couldn't have had that if I would have said, you know, in my 20s, like, man, I just I just want to do my 20 weddings a year. I'm just going to keep upping my rates and things like that. And, and there's right. no shame in that. Like, if that's how you want to grow your business, 100% for me, the joy that I get with, and I'm a people person. I'm a connector. I want to, you know, do that kind of stuff. So that just fit so well with me. Um, and I think that resonates with a lot of people, but it is just a couple of things that get in the way before they take that, that jump. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Er, earlier you were, uh, you were kind of alluding to strengths and weaknesses, which I think is the next pillar of this, um, understanding this process. So, um, yeah, I, I mean that that obviously is something that's so important and, and as a leader, it's a humbling thing too when you realize that maybe some of these things I'm not so strong at and I, I need to uh, assess that and, and be okay with that. Yeah, uh, this so this pillar is interesting because you hear a lot of advice on when you're in this idea of, of building your team. And for us, you know, at the Abundance Group, we think of team, yes, it can be like staff, employees, contractors, but 
team in a broader sense for us is anyone that has impact in your business. So this is also service providers. Um, again, these are like social, anybody, uh, they don't have to be like employed by you or, you know, get a 1099 from you, things like that. It's anybody who influences your business. They're on your team. Um, but one thing I hear a lot about um, making this decision of, of offboarding tasks onto other people is, you know, you, you make a list of your strengths, you make a list of your weaknesses, and you give away the weaknesses to other people. Mm. And I agree with that with a small caveat. And we kind of touched on it earlier of, but be intentional about the profitable tasks because people need to earn those. Um, that isn't something because it is the lifeblood of your business. Mm. Um, and this is mostly derived around sales conversations, lead gen, like those things. Like yeah. we need to keep those close to the vest because we, those are the things that control very directly the success or failure of our business. Um, so absolutely do a strengths and weakness kind of audit for you, what you love to do, what you don't like to do. And, and often, you know, oftentimes dad and I, my dad is an incredible. So my dad was actually involved with um, Gallup when they built Strength Finders, like the thing that everybody has taken, millions and millions of people have taken. He was involved in that. So he's a strength-based business coach as well. So he teaches you to adopt that within your leadership style. Um, oftentimes with our strengths, inherently, we're good at the things we like to do because no one like loves to <laughs> Yeah, they keep failing on it's like it's yeah. so good right so inherently that that's something that um you see very often in, in the real world so you're making these kind of strengths and weaknesses or likes and dislikes um audits in your business but the one thing i will say is let's just make sure that we're protecting those very um again those those profit driving tasks that we do. Um, I was hearing a lot. I think, Frank, we were in a room together in Clubhouse where someone was asking this, like, I want to um, offload my sales. And and my reservation was just like, you know, actually, it, it, it turned out that it was a lead gen issue and not a sales issue. Because he's like, well, you know, I'm on the phone and I convert at, you know, it was like some ridiculous, like 80, 90%. And I was like, well, yeah, certainly don't have a sales problem if you're <laughs> 90% when you get him on the phone, you just need more qualified leads. But the thing is, if he would have, like, imagine in that scenario, if he would have given mm -hmm. the sales portion to someone else to do, one, there's probably very few people that could pick up at that ratio for him. Right. But also, like, then what is, where does that leave him? Like, if it isn't something that, um, you know, that they can do as well as, as he does. So um, that's the only caveat I really have around that is any of those, those profit driving tasks. Let's just, let's have people on our teams earn those. That's one of the reasons why I think we need to be so passionate about the business side of what we do as we are about the creative side of what we do. And I will preach that until people kick me off the stage and say, quit talking, David, because mm -hmm. that example you just gave, like that would have, that could have potentially been a dire mistake yeah. that that gentleman would have made because mm -hmm. he thought it was one thing, but like you assessed, it really wasn't that your sales was an issue. You just need, you just needed more lead qualified leads right. to convert into sales. Yeah. So let's it, fix that process. Yeah. And I, I'm, I will, I will put you back up on the stage if people ever take you down. Cause I couldn't, I could not agree more <laughs> that, that being good at the business side. And again, a lot of people are like, Oh, oh, it just seems so difficult or it's not my, it's not my, um, you know, 
knee jerk thing to, to be good at or that's not my skill set or my strength. And it's like, it doesn't have to be complicated. We just have to set up some frameworks that can allow us to really assess things. So it doesn't have to be like you're spending 80% of your time working on building your business. Let's go have you do the thing you love. Again, to the whole point of this, I think entrepreneurship should be like, let's figure out how to do what we love all the time. Um, But it is really important, especially in this stage that we're talking about, when we're making those audits and those assumptions, we're automating things um, that we're doing it the right way. Um, So it's a really critical time in our businesses. And I think even more so to this point, like for me, if, if I go back to the beginning of me getting into doing what I do, like I, I am naturally a very introverted person. So the biggest hurdle I had to overcome was not knowing anything about business, but mm-hmm. was being able to be on stage with a microphone in my hand and, uh, you know, music in my hands and not be throwing up all over everything because I'm so <laughs> damn nervous, right? Like that yeah. was the biggest hurdle for me to overcome. I'm like, I, I got all this business stuff. I'm good with that. I, I mm-hmm. love figuring out those problems. Mm-hmm. And so um, now look at you. I don't know. I, I, still, I still get nervous. I'm not going to lie to you, man. I still get nervous. I hope I never stop because that's what's kept me grounded and kept me remembering that, you know, just as quickly as this was given to me, it could also yeah. be taken away from me. And so I, yeah. I will always stay grounded because of that. Love that. Yeah. All right. So third pillar is our needs. What do we need? Yeah. And this is kind of that same thing of like um, really understanding, I mean, to the sale, like I think the sales conversation we just had is a perfect representation of this is like, how do we really know what our business needs to thrive? Um, When we know our numbers, right, when we know where those dials are sitting, and we know the things that we don't love to do, and maybe they aren't the profitable ones. Again, I'm going to use social media, everybody wants to outsource social media right away pretty quickly. So I know the audience well. So, uh, you know, that's the thing we don't like to do. when, when we do that, well, well, what actually moves the needle when we do social media? I don't want to spend $1,000 a month hiring a social media manager if they're just going to like posts and there's no strategy behind it. Like what moves the needle for your business? So again, when it comes to knowing your needs, like when, when you are, and again, let's just use Instagram to, to make it very um, like tactical you know, where they're not just liking or commenting, they're engaging, they're building your ideal client base, they're, they're engaging in DMs, they're doing things that actually move the needle that actually matter the things that your business needs. And not just the surface things like getting more followers, for example, like if your if your want is more followers, that's actually not what your business needs. Your business needs money. <laughs> you need to make money. And yeah. we don't do that by having, um, you know, a thousand, thousand followers. followers. Yep. Yeah. I was it's, smiling a minute ago because me and Frank, if you remember, Frank, we literally were basically having this conversation together last night. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, and like I say, it's what your business needs when it comes to social media is uh, relationship building. It needs to have. Yeah. Uh, that brand presence, they have to know, like, and trust you, right? We hear about that a lot. But so we need to understand and audit what our business really needs. So we're giving, we're spending money on the tasks that actually will get us the results. Mm. Sorry, you were going to say something. No, uh, I thought that was in- interesting that we we talk. I mean, Dave and I have this conversation a lot about social media, how it's mm-hmm. kind of gotten away from the actual communal platform mm-hmm. that it needs to be to this, like, kind of, like, 
uh, surface level, like look at me ego page. Fight for flex. Right, I like exactly. to call it a fight, fight for, for flex. flex. It's, it's all it is. Instead of having, like you, like Ashley said, real communication, genuine engagement. I'm, I'm talking and having conversations in DMs that not could potentially lead to sales, right? I mean, mm -hmm. that's honestly why we all have social, or I mean, that's why I have social media yeah. for as a business is, mm -hmm. is for that. And, yeah. and I think sometimes even, you know, for for example, let's let's take this show, for example, like for us, we don't we're not doing this for money. We're doing this for help helping other people. So our goal is to get more eyeballs on the show, totally. affect more people, impact more people's lives. And so those are the kind of conversations that we have is like, what do we need to do mm -hmm. as the people running this show to make that happen? Yeah. And and not make it a vanity number where we're like, oh, let's go make sure we got a thousand people following us. Well, who right. cares if twelve people watch? Who cares if you got a thousand people following you? Like right. that doesn't even make any sense. Yeah. Well, I think the other really cool thing about when you're assessing and figuring out what you need, you're not chasing what someone else is doing either. Because mm -hmm. their business needs are different than your business needs. Their clients are different, their revenue goals are different, their strategy is different. Yep. And so it can really kind of, I think, like obliterate this thing, imposter syndrome we deal with a lot of like, am I good enough? If I'm if I'm measuring myself, and I think social media, you can't have the social media conversation without kind of hand in hand having that uh, imposter syndrome conversation. But when you go, it doesn't matter, like it doesn't matter that they have, um, you know, 100,000 followers and whatever it what matters is, are they making any money? Like, and we don't know. And what are their goals in business? Like we, we're not running in the same race necessarily so why would we track our times and how fast we are right if we're doing things differently and our goals our end game is different then it, it there's no reason to compare ourselves in those journeys so yeah. i think when you know your needs that it's just super super helpful again when you're investing typically um a, a monetary you know you're investing in paying someone for their time or things like that like let's do the things that actually matter to us our business our clients our our strategy overall thank you for listening to part two of this episode be sure to tune in next time for part three on the wedding business growth podcast